Hi, welcome to the Quipster Film Review Podcast. My name is Vince Leo. I'm the film critic for the website Quipster.net. I invite you to check out all of my written work stemming all the way back to 1996 at that website, Quipster.net, Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. Today I'm going to be looking at a film that comes out of the UK. It's called High Rides. It's I don't know how to classify it as a genre. It's a drama, I guess, but some people might call it a horror movie. Some people might even call it a comedy, more like a satire. I would probably tend to call it a satire, which has dramatic and comedic elements to it, depending on how you want to look at it. Certainly, there are some horrific things that go on in the movie, but I would not classify this as a horror film. It's an R-rated movie because of violence, disturbing images, strong sexual content, graphic nudity, language, and some drug use, and it runs an hour and 59 minutes. It was released theatrically in the UK, and it will be in a limited fashion in the United States as well, but it currently is one of those films that is getting an early VOD release for those people who want to see it now before it hits theaters. In fact, most people are probably not going to have a theater that shows it theatrically, so it's probably the only way that some people will be able to see it. The cast includes Tom Hiddleston, Jeremy Irons, Sienna Miller, Luke Evans, Elizabeth Moss, and James Purefoy. The director is Ben Wheatley, and the screenplay is by Amy Jump, and it's based on the novel High Rise by J.G. Ballard. The film is set in 1975. Tom Hiddleston stars as a successful physiologist named Dr. Robert Lang. Lang's recently moving into the 25th floor of one of several new high-rise buildings in a not-quite-yet-finished avant-garde apartment complex in the outskirts of London. The architect of the complex is an eccentric man who lives on the uppermost floor named Anthony Royal, played by Jeremy Irons. Royal has designed the buildings to never need to be part of the ground-level activities surrounding the buildings. Each one of the buildings offers its own means of taking care of its tenants' daily needs. There's a grocery store on one of the floors. There's a school within the building as well. There's a lot of entertainment there, including swimming pools inside and a host of other amenities. Although everybody in the building pays the same amount of rent, the building also seems to have its own class system in terms of who lives on what floor. The elites live in higher floors than those down below who are considered to be lower class. One of those below is a man named Richard Wilder, played by Luke Evans. He's a documentarian who begins to suspect that there are great inequities in the way that the building is structured, and he is going to threaten to expose it for what it is to the public at large through a documentary. As the new building begins to show signs of faulty facilities that are in increasing states of disrepair, anarchy begins to take hold and the resultant chaos erupts into a battle between the haves and the have-nots for whatever resources are left to be had within the walls of the structure. Obviously, this is a simplification of the plot that's introduced by J.G. Ballard. This is an adaptation of Ballard's 1975 visionary counterculture novel of the same name, directed by Ben Wheatley. They added a hyphen to the title, but other than that, uh, it's adapted by Wheatley's wife and frequent collaborator Amy Jump. Whereas Ballard's book, for those who've read it, is said to have been more interested in societal behavior and how it might change when people get detached from the external environment through sterile homogeneity, 
completely surrounded by the relative security of steel and concrete and newfangled technological advances that we come to rely on. And in the absence of, we tend to get a little bit more primal. Just imagine if the world all of a sudden started losing electricity, it would probably cause a lot of people to not even know how to live anymore, and we would become a little bit more feral as a result. This is kind of more of a sociological experiment, whereas the world at large is kind of reduced down into the confines of a building. Wheatley and Jump are more interested, in contrast to Ballard, in seeing the devolution of the building system more as a commentary on social hierarchies and the resultant class warfare. Now, both stories, whether the book or the film, do push forward the fact that there are pity issues between all of the respective parties that are involved that they worry about. There is also this unraveling into barbarism that takes hold without any authority in place to keep the peace. This will remind some people of something akin to William Golding's classic novel, The Lord of the Flies. Interestingly, the subject of race is actually sidestepped by High Rise altogether. All of the tenants are white, and that may possibly say more about the owners of the buildings than anything said during the course of the movie. It's never really hit upon, but it makes you wonder. But I do think by not having any people other than white people in the film, it does negate the claim that I've seen other people make, other film critics and and commenters, you know, those people who are dissecting the themes of the film, that this is supposed to represent a microcosm of society. It is definitely not. You have all English-speaking white people in the film, certainly of different classes, but even the poor don't seem to be very poor. And that's where I think that a lot of people will say that Ballard's book tends to be superior because that really was not exactly about class warfare, whereas this film seems to be a little bit more emphasis on that particular aspect of it instead of the digression of humans into primal state, which is what the book tended to be a little bit more about. Now, because the filmmakers are always keenly aware that the story is a commentary of society throughout, the characters are not fleshed out any more than they needed to be to fulfill their symbolic representation for the purpose of the beats of the satire. Robert Lang, played by Tom Hiddleston, is meant to be our through line to understanding this caste system. He can walk among the top and the bottom dwelling residents with ease because he's kind of middle class, maybe upper middle class. But outside of his occupation as a doctor and the fact that his sister recently died and That kind of left him without any family to speak of. He is, as a character, about as enigmatic as the rest of them. And this leaves us to ponder why so much time and so much effort has been given to this social deconstruction that runs rampant through the film's second half. It becomes more a graphic version of the French New Wave film, the satire by Jean-Luc Godard on the bourgeoisie called Weekend. And without any single person for us as in the audience to identify with, we can do little but to watch these characters that we have no rooting interest in or really much care for doing vicious things to other characters we don't particularly care about either until we get to the recreation of the opening scene, which is a flash forward that we are expecting sometime down the road. Now, as mentioned in the film, there's no single moment that causes this societal breakdown all of a sudden. It's really the erosion that sets in once the ability for both the necessities as well as the luxuries to cease to be available 
for all people, and that causes those without to have to resort to more drastic means to get what they feel is their right to have. Ironically, the rich are too isolated to see this situation for what it really is, thinking that it's poor people who lack the ability to enjoy things for what they are. Always complaining about money is how the rich people think that poor people are, even though the rich people don't have to worry about money since they have it. And the people who don't have money really don't have the things that money can buy. It's not money. It's the things that money is needed for food and shelter and all of the other things that they don't have for them or their family. Allusions to the aristocracy that ruled France before the French Revolution are also abundant in the course of High Rise. The rich above even have a costume party where they dress in their Renaissance finest and even eat cake. And meanwhile, there are nods to the decay going on around them from the rotting fruit of the supermarket to the breakdown of the electronic equipment that is there to try to foster a life of relative ease. In contrast to the J.G. Ballard work, the film version of High Rise is often too literal to feel literary, and some people will think it's a little too on the nose in terms of its satire to have at least the fun of dissecting it, because when you have a film in which there is a satirical bent, truly good satire, I feel, is one that you can enjoy for the story, as well as to enjoy for the commentary, the metatextual part of it that is going on underneath, I feel like High Rise is something that is not really that enjoyable as a story independent of the satirical elements of it. And so therefore, when you're being told constantly that this is a satire and what the nature of that satire is, it does take even that component away. It's like reading J.G. Ballard's book in which the author or the publisher decided to highlight all of the important points so that we didn't miss what was going on underneath the story. Now, though the film is clearly from its outset a semi-surreal satire on class and maybe even more specifically capitalism, there are still things that aren't adequately explained in this film. For one, it's not really adequately explained why, when fearing for their lives, the inhabitants of the building wouldn't just escape when they have the chance with their spouses and their children who are in mortal jeopardy. You know, normal society around these buildings is still existing in London, even though the powers that be are doing a good job in keeping the goings-on, the crimes that are being committed away from the authorities outside, it doesn't really make sense that 100% of the people in the building would stay there as if it were some sort of prison or as if society just did not exist in the rest of the world. Now, reportedly, this aspect is something that's explained better in the book as far as the motivation of the people to remain within the building. It kind of becomes another commentary on how one's sense of time and place become distorted by one's current environment, but I do think that that's not really satisfyingly addressed in this film by Ben Wheatley. Also, one thing that I didn't really understand, the film shows many of the building's residents during the day heading out into the so-called real world in order to go to their jobs where they presumably see their co-workers, maybe before or after they might see their family and their friends. So I don't really understand the sense of isolation and the rapid descent into madness. It seems unwarranted given that all of the people here in the building have other outlets beyond the apartment complex. They well know that there is a life outside and they regularly hang out with people who are not undergoing the kind of decay, whether it's slow or whether it's fast in the apartment complex. So it doesn't really make sense in that fashion. 
So as such, I do think that High Rise begins to wear thin as it plays through its nearly two-hour length because it does, as I mentioned, cycle through its themes in a very redundant fashion. And that aspect of it is further compounded by this three-month flash-forward that we get at the beginning of the film that shows how far conditions evolve in the building three months after Robert Lang moves in. And that leads us in the audience to know exactly where things are going to go from the outset. So whatever shock value the film could have held is immediately muted by the knowledge that the value of human life at some point is going to become nil, family pets are going to be consumed when the food runs out, and all havoc is going to break loose within the building. So all we do for the next hour and maybe 20 minutes is watch what we already know is going to happen actually begins to happen. And unfortunately, the excitement of that feels a little bit more downplayed because of that flash forward. The film also needlessly repeats the oft-repeated theme on capitalism. There's a clip at the very end from a speech by Margaret Thatcher that doesn't come from the book because Margaret Thatcher came to first rose to prominence as the leader of the Conservative Party in Britain during the year that the film is set. It was so not something that Ballard wrote into it. So he was specifically talking about things that are going on at the time and not necessarily referring to Thatcher's comments. Now, the film, in addition to feeling repetitive and redundant and maybe a little too obvious, it also feels, for today's audiences, kind of antiquated. Even though several filmmakers have tried to make High Rise into a movie and have not really succeeded, some of them even saying that it's an unfilmable property, many aspects of that novel can be found as the root of other films that have come out since it was published. For instance, it feels nearly identical to other class-based satires, most notably Terry Gilliam's films like Brazil. Some people will see this as a mix of the main story of Brazil mixed with elements of 12 Monkeys and maybe even Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas comes to mind. And most recently, in a film that actually pays homage to Terry Gilliam in some respects, and has a nearly identical plot to High Rise, Snowpiercer, you know, in that film, you could almost say that instead of a class divide that is in a building, it's actually more horizontal. A class divide is in the cars of a train. And the lower classes are more near the caboose, the upper classes toward the engine. So it's basically a lot of the same premise. So if you've seen Snowpiercer, a lot of this is going to seem familiar and you won't be as excited. Those films have made a little bit more sense because in Brazil, it's the whole of society that is in a state of oppressiveness. So there really was no escape. People just accepted their lot in life. Whereas in Snowpiercer, the entirety of known society is in one location. They have no place to escape. There is no, there is nothing but that train. So they have no recourse but to try to make things work there, even if it means destroying themselves in the process. This film, which has this kind of sub-society within a larger society, doesn't really make as much sense. So the allegorical qualities of the story fall apart very quickly if you try to dissect it. You know, perhaps additional nods to Marie Antoinette and the French Revolution aren't inappropriate. High Rise tries to have its cake and eat it too. So as much as I admire Ben Wheatley and his attempt to make this unfilmable novel into a film, and Amy Jump for trying to take the root of High Rise and make it cinematic, I'm going to say that it doesn't really work very well. So I would say if you're interested in the story, 
you could probably still read the J.G. Ballard novel, which I've heard stands up pretty well because a lot of the commentary within the course of that book also can be said to hold true, maybe even more true to society today. Or if you want to stick to films, watch Brazil or many other of the Terry Gilliam satires. Those movies really inspire a lot of the filmmakers of today in terms of how to do this kind of dystopian comedy, drama, satire. You know, while many people will find them uneven, I think that it tends to be a little bit better in terms of having us have a rooted interest into the characters, as well as be more amusing and more witty and more erudite than a lot of these other filmmakers have been able to translate. So, Two and a half stars is what I'm giving High Rise. And two and a half stars on my scale means that it had the tools, it had the talent to be a film that I would recommend to people, but for whatever reason, it just doesn't get it all together. And I think that you lose the Ballard voice and in trying to cinematically try to portray that which J.G. Ballard would be able to explain better and with more understanding within the course of a novel, I think that it does get lost somewhat in translation and it just begins to fall apart especially on the heels of Snowpiercer. Unfortunately, it's just bad timing. Snowpiercer has already been out there. It's in the zeitgeist. You know, people are big fans of that film, even though I was not a huge fan of it. Uh, I do know that there are a lot of people that did enjoy that, and they're going to see High Rise as just more of the same and not quite as good, at least to them anyway. So two and a half stars is all I can give High Rise. Thanks, everyone, for listening. I hope that you enjoyed the review. If you do, I do encourage you to click the subscribe button, and I'll continue continue to deliver all of my reviews of the latest film releases throughout the course of the year. If you happen to be on iTunes or any place else where you can leave a review and you want to support the show, I do encourage you to leave a review there and let other people know that this is a show that's worth checking out if they want to hear about the latest films out in the cinema, on VOD, or straight to television or streaming service. The Quipster Film Review Podcast is the name of the show. Before I go, I also want to mention that I'm going to be a guest on the In Session Film Podcast, where I will not only be discussing High Rise, but I'll also be discussing Miles Ahead with the guys there at the In Session Film Podcast. You can go to InSessionFilm.com for all of the details. And if you listen to that one, you'll probably end up wanting to download other of their podcasts because they do a great job. InSessionFilm.com is where to go. And you can find all of my contact information at my website, Quipster.net, Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. Until next time, thanks everyone for listening, and I hope that you enjoy your time anytime you get to go to the movies. 